Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We got the Steelers and the Bucks on Monday Night Football. My conversation with Booger McFarlane on why the Bucks won't turn to Jameis Winston. It's going to be Fitzmagic for a little longer. Blake Snell sets the Rays record with his 21st victory on Sunday and should win the Cy Young with his 1.90 ERA. And what were you doing 1,876 days ago? That was 2013. Also the last time Tiger Woods won a PGA tournament until Sunday when he won the Tour Championship. All that in a look at Sunday's NFL games on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Burstick. Before we get started on this podcast, let me tell you about a special offer for our listeners. Our friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds wants you to have the best time ever when shopping at Continental. So for our listeners, Andy is offering a limited time 20% off on all jewelry purchases. That's right. So whether you seek a statement piece like a gorgeous diamond necklace or, you know, maybe you're on a quest for that perfect engagement ring, Andy is going to give you the undivided attention you require. Come to Continental Wholesale Diamonds today and score big with 20% off. That's right. On all your jewelry purchases. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150 right next to the Penthouse Club. So it's Box Steelers Monday Night Football, Steve. This is uh, one of the real big events, I think. You know, any time that uh, the Monday Night Football crew is here, and it's a new crew this year with Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarlane and Jason Witten are going to be in town, of course. Um, but a pretty cool event when you're the only game in town. And as an extra bonus, the Bucks, of course, are 2-0. and And against the marquee franchise, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are still looking for their first win, they're 0-1-1. And you have Tony Dungy going into the Ring of Honor. So what could get better than that, right? Yeah, I mean, the fans are going to be uh, a little bit sauced, should I say. Uh, <laughs> excited. Monday Night Football always brings out a, a different crowd. Yeah, yeah sauced. <laughs> well, we, you know, politically correct. Some extra time to, uh, to imbibe, yeah, yeah. if you will. Uh, but yeah. Monday Night Football, these national games always bring out um, exciting crowds. Um, you're yeah, going to have man. some Steeler fans in the house, but also with Tony Dungy oh. going in the Ring of Honor. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the exact mix is at Raymond James Stadium tonight. With a Monday night game, I think fans are less likely to maybe sell their tickets or maybe they got a big-time premium and sold them anyway. Yeah. Um, and then you had Tony Dungy there. I think a lot of Bucks fans want to be in the house for that. Yeah, there's there's still good seats available, so it's not a complete sellout. But I would agree with you. If this had been a Sunday 1 o'clock game, probably a lot more Steeler fans would be here. Um, there's no shortage of them in the area probably or those that will come down, but – the Monday night game probably makes it less likely, but there will the Steelers just travel well. They just do, um, marquee franchise that they are, and yet, uh, yeah, it'll have a little buzz to it. You know, I thought it did when Gruden went into the Ring of Honor as well. I thought that was a a night that had a little electricity as well. So, um, look, when you're two and zero and doing it the way the Bucks have done it with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball down the field all over the place and and hitting big plays to Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and. O.J. Howard and those guys, I think everybody is excited to see. 
if they can have that continue against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are going to come in here just desperate, desperate for a win. And, you know, the one thing about the Steelers now, obviously their defense has been a, a bit of a letdown. They've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. But they have, you know, for all the success the Bucs have had in their number one offense in the NFL, guess who's number two? I mean, it's the Steelers, right? It's just, you know, when you have another Hall of Fame quarterback, and, of course, the Bucs faced a lot of good quarterbacks, you know, in the NFC South as it is. We saw what Drew Brees was able to do, put up 40 points against them. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is going to come in here, and, yeah, you know, there's a lot of belly aching up there about, you know, no Le'Veon Bell and – Antonio Brown has been angry and said that they suck and all this sort of thing, but they have, you know, tons of good players. And this is this seems like it would be a high-scoring game, at least on one side and probably on both, Steve. I think this is going to be a bit of a track meet. Yeah, I don't think the Steelers' defense is, you know, they had the reputation for being a great defense, and they've earned that over the years. This defense is not one of those defenses. No. It's not nearly as fast as they've, they've been in the past. They really miss Ryan Shazier. Yes. On, on this defense, I mean, he's he's a unique linebacker that they really miss mm-hmm. on this defense. Um, you know, they gave up what forty two to to uh, Kansas City at home. Yeah, uh, granted, Mahomes six is a good quarterback, passes. but yeah, yeah, six touchdown passes. Um, you know, their defense is not what it's been in the past. But anytime you've got no. Roethlisberger and he's got a target like Antonio Brown, they can put yeah. up points, and they they will. And James Conner's done okay at running back, filling in for for Le'Veon Bell, but. The Steelers, they will put up points, but their defense is in a style as it used to be. So the Bucks have an opportunity to put up a lot of points. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, I, I think for, you know, for Tampa Bay, it's good time to get Brent Grimes back. I mean, you know, here's a guy that is their best cover corner. Yeah, he's 35 years old, but, you know, his athleticism belies all of that. And he's been out for two weeks with a groin strain. I think they really waited to make sure this thing was, he was completely healthy. Now he's listed as questionable. You know, we expect him to play. Um, and, and, you know, he's not going to cover, you know, he's not going to go one-on-one with Antonio Brown all over the field. I mean, Antonio Brown, you know, is, has beaten everybody. Now he's off to a kind of a slow start. They've targeted him a million times. Um, they just haven't connected on many of them or as many as they usually do. Um, but, but Ben can still, can still wing it. And, you know they're they're going to come with a with a pretty good offense and and I think it's hard to cover those guys. You know the best chance that they have would be if their defensive line can get some pressure on Roethlisberger, who's hard to sack because he's he's really big. He's Big Ben and he extends plays and still can throw the ball down the field a long ways. And to make that a little bit worse is you know the Bucks they they don't have the depth on the defensive line that they planned on having. I mean, remember what happened in the offseason. You know, Jason Light went out to try to rebuild this defensive line. And, you know, he started by signing guys like, you know, Bo Allen and Vinny Curry and traded for Jason Pierre-Paul and Mitch Unrein from Chicago. And Noah Spence was coming back off a shoulder surgery, and he was supposed to help them out. Well, Mitch Unrein is on injured reserve. Bo Allen will not play in the game because of a foot injury. Uh, oh, and Vita Vea, remember the guy they drafted in the first round from Washington? He was supposed to be a big piece of this too, except that he's now not going to play, even though he returned to practice this week for the first time in seven weeks uh, since he hurt his left calf muscle on the first day in pads back on July 29th. July 29th, that's how long it's been since Vita Vea played any football until this week. So the Bucks feel like, you know, it's just not time uh, for Vea, who, you know, while he's in good cardio shape, is not in good football shape. And so they are not going to put him on the field. So what that means is a lot of guys, 
are going to be playing a ton of plays again. I mean, it happened last week when Bo Allen went out and they ended up, you know, guys, some of the interior linemen, guys like I think Gerald McCoy might have played like 55 snaps and Benny Curry played about 65 and uh, Pierre Paul played like 60. So that that's a lot. And if you have to, you know, play 65, 70 plays, if, if you know, Pittsburgh has the ball a lot, you're going to see it take its toll. And, and then that's where your secondary gets in trouble because even though Grimes is back, you still got a lot of young guys out there. I mean, Ryan Smith is coming off his best game, but you're going to still see Carlton Davis start, you know, defensive back. Uh, MJ Stewart's going to have to play some. You know, Chris Conte is, uh, is questionable as well uh, with a knee injury, although he practiced this week. But you don't know if Jordan Whitehead's going to have to come in, another rookie. So they've got a tough, a tough duty uh, without, the, uh, without the defensive lineman. And, you know, people, people keep – they seem I'm amazed that you know fans are fans Steve but like on Twitter people are just killing Vita Vea for not playing yet and there's a difference between playing hurt and injured and he's injured now right if the Bucks don't want to bring, there's two things one he's a rookie he's a mm-hmm. you know yes he's your first round draft pick and you have high hopes for him but why do you want to rush him back if he's not healthy enough to play or not in enough shape to play because he's just getting back from an injury yeah secondly and, and fans don't like to hear this but they're 2-0 Mm-hmm. That that buys you some. We don't have to rush players back. The goal right. is the goal is playoffs at the end of the year, not three and. That's o. right. That's right. Now you want if you go to three and zero, it helps you get to the playoffs, and you're trying to win mm-hmm. this game. But they're all important. Yeah. But you have to take the long term view of this too, for him. Yeah. So if he's not in enough shape and he's not going to play that many plays for you, why do you want to put him back in at this point? Yeah, and and the thing is, is I think that if he played, you would need him to play about twenty five or thirty snaps, and I think that's the thing is that he's mm-hmm. not pull that kind of load after just three days of practice. And we and look, he was limited in those practices. So when I say practice, he was back on the field in pads. And even though there's there's not a lot of hitting, but there is contact in those in those things. The guy hadn't played football. The bottom line, you know, in, in, let alone in this kind of heat you know, for seven weeks. And so he did a good job. You know, they, they do a lot of things, even though he had a calf injury, you know, between the bikes and the underwater treadmills and all this stuff. So he actually lost 15 pounds, which I think is a tell too. You know, we said, look, you can go back and read it, but when they drafted a guy that weighed 347 pounds in this heat, uh, more than a few people, including Warren Sapp were like, Hey, um, this, this probably won't work. Well, all I know is that on, you know, one of the first real hottest days that they put him in pads, in fact, you know, I'm assuming he lost some fluids and whatnot, and he ended up with a soft tissue injury when he pulled his calf muscle. And since then, he's lost 15 pounds. So somebody thought he needed to lose some weight, right, during, even during the rehab. So when he does come back, I think he'll, he'll be more conditioned to, to handle the heat. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, he, he's going to help them for sure because – but it's amazing. You know, part of the problem is, is that Derwin James has gone off with San Diego. You know, Derwin James is a good player, a really good player. And, you know, the other day he had, you know, before this last game, he had like 10 tackles and two sacks and a couple passes defense. So all these people, you know, it's like, well, we should have gotten Derwin James. Well, first of all, it's two games, folks. Two games. You can't, you can't judge a guy's whole career when he's injured on two games that he didn't play. So I'm saying, and I and I said this on Twitter with some people. I was going back and forth. It's like, look, you know, Gerald McCoy, okay, arguably one of the better players in Bucks history. I would say, made it to six straight Pro Bowls, going to a seventh more than likely. Um, you know, he's going to be on the Ring of Honor one day. Ring of Honor player. His first two years, the guy was essentially hurt both years. You know, he ripped, 
his calf muscle first in one arm, then mm-hmm. in the other. Uh, if you'd have said at that time, almost anybody that was drafted in the first round, you would have said was better than than you know Gerald McCoy, and in many cases you'd have been wrong. So, you know, don't don't judge a player on even his rookie season. Um, you know, I think it takes longer than that, but certainly not after two games that he didn't even play. No one has even seen this guy on the field. He didn't play in the preseason, so we're judging a player based on the fact that he's been injured. And well, if he can't go out there, then he's certainly not. He's certainly going to have a way less uh, career than Derwin James. We don't know, you know, who Derwin James is, right? Right now, you know, there were. I mean, and, and this is, you know, it, it kind of happened last year a little bit with Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin Cook was the other guy that the Bucks mm-hmm. would have considered drafting in the first round. And he wound up tearing his ACL. Now, I don't know how Dalvin Cook is going this year because I really haven't checked. I know Minnesota got completely Ooh. stunned, stunned by the Buffalo Bills, you know, on Sunday. It was it was the upset of the, of the season so far. And they got hammered at home. So I don't know how Dalvin Cook played. But I know how O.J. Howard's playing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you, O.J. Howard's going to make about five or six Pro Bowls. I, if he stays healthy, I just believe that. I mean, I know what I'm looking at here. I'm but a few at games a big, into last season, guy. fans were already saying O.J. Howard was a bust. And Dal- they should have taken Dalvin they Cook. they were. And they should have taken Dalvin Cook. And I don't know how many Buck fans would say that, even though, you know, I mean, look, the tight end position is one of those where if you're Rob Gronkowski, it's great, right? Um, but running backs are also can be dime a dozen, you know? So, again, it's, it's just, you know, people, you know, fans are fans, and, and I understand that, and they overreact to everything, but – I, I've never understood, Steve, why why anyone would get mad at a player for being hurt, injured. Injured, well, as you said, and th- there's, hurt, a, there's a difference. Injured. I mean, if, if you're not playing hurt, then I understand yeah. some of the criticism. You know, for instance, we talked the other day. We talked the other day about Tommy Pham for the for the Rays, who's oh, playing God. hurt this year, and he's got all kinds of of ailments. Yeah, that's hurt. he's beat up. Yeah, he's beat up all over the place. But if you're injured, that's different. Yeah, and and most most NFL players, most of them play hurt. I mean, they you know they're hurt after you know one practice. To be mm-hmm. honest, with it's mm-hmm. a brutal sport at the NFL level. Look, I mean, those guys are flying. I mean, you're on a freeway, man. Those collisions are unbelievable, even in practice. So, you know, no one feels good after a couple days of hitting each other, let let alone a preseason or regular season game. They're all beat up after that. Um, but in this case, you know, why people get angry at players for being injured. I mean, injuries is what the NFL is all about. It's what, what football is all about. You know, I mean, guys are you're going to have collisions and guys get their jobs because the other guy's hurt. It's the old next man up, right? How many times do you hear that in football? Well, that's because it's a high injury sport. And, you know, that that's what the sport is. It's brutal that way, but that's what it is. So I never got why fans or, or people in general – would would see a guy and and you know if he's injured and go oh man I can't stand that guy he's he's hurt you know or he's injured he can't play, well that's that's kind of the business he's in so anyway uh, we won't see Via Veda but uh, but we will see see the Bucks defense and they're going to have to step up uh, pretty handily in this game because again I think Pittsburgh's going to move the ball uh, and it's going to be difficult now I talked to uh, Booger McFarland remember we did. Uh, a while ago, and I finally wrote that story. I, I, we had played <laughs> Booger's tapes, you know, from over the summer when I talked to him back in July, and he was great. And, you know, I wrote a story in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, if you want to go on TampaBay.com, about his, you know, just meteoric rise from four and a half years ago. He was asked to do or co-host, you know, a, uh, a radio show on what is a now defunct station on CBS 98.7 The Fan, and it's been out, been gone for a few years. But 
Uh, Booger was pretty good on that. He had not done anything since he retired from football for three and a half years, but he liked to talk sports. He's always been a guy that really is up on all sports, not just football. So anyway, I wrote this story about about how he got it, how he made it all the way to Monday Night Football, which is remarkable. And uh, Mike Greenberg from Mike and Mike uh, fame was was quoted in there, and Jay Rothman called him the next or the, the Charles Barkley in the NFL is what he thinks he's going to become. So it's pretty cool. That's but what I didn't talk, Rick. That's terrible. That is terrible. I can't believe Charles Barkley. He must be a soul. That is crazy, man. That is crazy. So I talked to Booger about the Bucks, and he had some interesting takes. You know, the one thing he said was is that they they haven't played a perfect game yet, and that that's pretty obvious, right? They give up forty points against the New Orleans Saints, and yet they score forty eight. And you know, they've been very hot on offense, uh, and yet you know against the Eagles, they could have put them away a little bit more. They kind of you know had some turnovers of their own. The defense let the team back in the game. So his point was about the Bucks is that he thinks they're a good team and he thinks they have a chance to be great because they're finding ways to win. When you find ways to win when you don't play your best game, that's a sign of a team that could be great. So, you know, there's certainly room for improvement starting on the defensive side. What was interesting, though, was talking to him about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had some pretty good takes, and I'm sure he'll talk about it on Monday Night Football. In fact, he did, I believe, an interview with Ryan that's going to air, you know, they always go on the bus and they do the interview on Fitzpatrick, who repeated a lot of the things he told us the other day, which was, look, I'm I'm just trying, you know, to go 3-0. That's his focus. I want to go 3-0. Um, you know, anything after that, you know, I just want to put this team in the best position. And I think we all know that they're going to stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick unless he just completely melts down tonight against, you know, a, a team that I think he'll he'll actually score some points against, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, you know, on Ryan Fitzpatrick, what Booger said to me was, you know, you got a guy who's played a lot of football, and he realizes that there's not many years left for him to play. He's 35, he signed a one-year deal, and he's in this position that he didn't expect to see himself starting the first three games of the season, getting all the reps in training camp. And he goes, you know, I just think that Fitzpatrick decided, you know, the heck with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack, I'm going to throw the ball down the field, I'm going to do all the things that – I've always wanted to do and just be really aggressive. And this young team has sort of followed that swag that he's had, you know, and that calmness about himself. And they picked up on it, you know, and, and they've carried it into the season and they're having fun and winning is fun. Uh, he's carried it. He goes, you know, all the stuff he, he did after the game the other day, wearing Deshaun's jewelry and whatnot. He goes, you know, they the players are kind of feeding off what Ryan Fitzpatrick is giving them, which is an awful lot of confidence. And so he expects Fitzpatrick to continue to play like that. Of course, at some point, teams won't let him throw the ball over their heads. But that aside, um, you know, the, the other part, I asked him, I said, well, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, Tuesday, Jameis Winston's walking back in the building, okay? We, we figure he'll play against Chicago, barring something unforeseen. And what Booger said was, he goes, you know, Rick, it's, it's not a – I don't know why this is the tough decision. This is, there's no decision here. You stay with the guy that's playing as well as he is, period. You just stay with him. He goes, you know, and everybody he talked to in the Bucks organization, I can tell you this is true on my end too, they're all committed to Jameis Winston for the future. They know he's their quarterback. Um, it's just a question of when the rest of that future begins. He was gone for, you know, for a number of time, a number of days. It will have been, you know, almost 40 days – before he would play another game if he played on Sunday. And so, you know, they think it'll happen organically. They think if there's an opportunity for him to play this year, whether Fitzpatrick slows down or gets hurt or whatever, they'll, they'll put him right in there. They won't hesitate. But 
But he says there's no reason that he does he does not expect them to change unless unless Fitzpatrick's play drastically changes. So let's talk about one thing that the Bucks haven't done well that I think they're going to have to do tonight against the Steelers, and that's run the football. Because I, I think the Steelers are going to do the best they can to not let them throw it over their heads, which means, you know, when that happens and you start taking safeties off the line of scrimmage and start going with, you know, seven-man fronts, that's when Todd Munkin and Dirk Cutter should adjust and start running the football. Now, you know, Peyton Barber's been okay, but they haven't been consistent running it. They've had some breakout runs, but frankly, because they've gotten the leads, you know, they mostly run when when it's late in the game and the other team knows they're going to have to run. They're just trying to run clock. So they haven't had a lot of good, you know, even looks as far as defenses go. So we'll wait and see what's going to happen with the way the Steelers play it. But one guy that won't be on the field, I'm, I'm not sure if he will or he won't, but I, I don't anticipate that he'll be there, is Ronald Jones. We haven't seen Ronald Jones yet. And everybody's asking, where's the second-round pick from USC? And I think it's as simple as this. And Thomas Bassinger wrote a story about this in the Tampa Bay Times um, about you know some things to to watch or or whatnot, but I don't think there's a there's not a trust level yet with Ronald Jones. I mean, if you look at what the Bucks are doing, even that first play, you know, the last game, they they bring a corner blitz, right? Well, Peyton Barber picks it up and just flushes the guy, you know. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's able to stand right in the pocket, and if if there's a, a mistake there or a mental error, and that guy doesn't get picked up then Fitzpatrick is sacked and the ball might come out and all kinds of bedlam happens after that. But he's getting clean pockets because Dirk Cutter t- trusts Barber. He certainly trusts Jacquez Rogers, who he's had going back all the way to Atlanta. And, you know, Sean Wilson has gotten a helmet, who's another running back, primarily because he's their, he's their kick returner. He's their kickoff returner. He's done a nice job doing that. So, you, you know, with Ronald Jones not playing special teams, although he's working on it, you really don't have a role for him, and I don't think there's a trust level. In other words, if they're going to attack like this and, and they need they need the, the protection to do that, then until Ronald Jones you know, has that down, knows who to block and is good at it, I don't think they're going to put him on the field. So that's why he's not been there. But because of that, a lot of people on Twitter and emails and whatever have been saying, hey, why don't the Bucks trade for Le'Veon Pell, which they wouldn't do that this week, of course, because the Steelers are down here, but – uh, the Steelers apparently, according to my sources, listening to Adam Schefter on Sunday morning, says that now it possibly seems that the Steelers maybe, probably, are willing to listen to offers. So that prompts a lot of people going, well, heck, Bucks are 2-0. They could use a running game. What about Le'Veon Bell? Sounds great, but it's fantasy football. And the reason is Le'Veon Bell is a franchise player. Okay, so... You know, we're way past the deadline where you can do anything with them, and, and basically you'd be signing the guy for one year or trading for him for one year. And so you have to give up something, player, draft compensation, combination of both, to try to get Le'Veon Bell, and all you could do is give him a raise to get him to come in in the first place. So, you know, that's, that's, a, hard, you know, that's a hard thing to do when you're sitting here and you're just a 2-0 football team, not to mention – you don't know what you have in Ronald Jones yet. He hadn't he hadn't gotten on the field. So I would just say pump the brakes on that. Uh, I think there was a report in some Pittsburgh newspaper, Steve, about... All right, yeah, it was in the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, uh, who's the leading newspaper up there in Pittsburgh. And I want to get the quote exactly right so that I have it right. Mm-hmm. Teams rumored to be a good fit for Bell include the Jets, Colts, and Buccaneers. Teams <laughs> rumored to be a good fit. There are no, no other qualifications about that. <laughs> So I just wanted out there that I'm rumored to be a good fit for Jennifer Aniston. 
Well, then you. I'm starting in. the rumor now that I'm rumored <laughs> to be a good fit. So we need to make that happen. Yeah. Well, hey, call the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Maybe they maybe they can they can put me on that list. Maybe be well. I'm married, so I'm not a good fit. And well, you're married too. You can't be a good fit for Jennifer Aniston. See, that's already fake news. Details. Those are details. Those are details. We'll they work are details. We'll work You're right. That's correct. There are there are things that have to be worked out for for Le'Veon Bell and for Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of silly, right? I mean, first of all, rumors are you're basically saying there's not it's not substantiated. It's just somebody talking, and then and then you kind of even kill that, you know. But by, it wasn't like it was fit. you know someone in the Steelers organization. Saying these these teams might be a good fit, or right, or the it, among among the teams interested include, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, they're not even putting on those teams. Yeah, those exactly. teams, in other words, we haven't talked to anybody with those teams, but we think teams rumored to be fits. a good fit. Right. Not not teams well, we think are a good fit. Teams were these rumors? <laughs> Just rumors, man. <laughs> Stevie Nicks said it best, didn't she? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's silly. I mean, I I can see where people would say, well, the Bucks are two and zero. They're a good team. And they don't have a running game. They don't have an established back, and their their rookies not even played yet. You know, all that you get two and two, and you get five. Uh, well, yeah, but, I can see people saying, "Hey, the Bucks might be a good fit," but to sit yeah. there and say they're rumored to be well, a good fit rumored. and start saying that the Bucks are interested—I mean, there's not even—I mean, you know, wow. Yeah. Well, I can I can assure you uh, with uh, an informed opinion, very informed, in fact. Because I ask these things, you know, guys come available, and you know, everybody's going to ask me. So let me go ahead and get get what I can on it and you know basically the Bucks position is just what I said it's like well no like why, what would we do here like you can't you can't sign him to an extension so therefore you know what's he coming in to do well not only that, not only that but okay so he he's locked in at 14 and a half million this year or Next, more if you yeah. pay him more well, yeah well yeah I mean he won't come in for 14 and a half million no. so you got to assume he doesn't right. want out of Pittsburgh right. he wants more money to he's going to want more than right? that Next year you're right. going to have a quarterback making 20 million right you know, you're not. You don't have That's a quarterback right. on a rookie deal anymore. Starting next year. That's right. That's right. You know, and you still got to sign Donovan Smith. You got to mm-hmm. sign Quan Alexander, and you got to sign Alan Marpet. Mm-hmm. And are running backs worth that much? No, I don't think they are. You know, when you my, when you don't have you know, if you've got a quarterback on a rookie salary, you can afford a lot of luxuries. Sure, sure. But you don't Absolutely. have that next year in Tampa Bay. Which is one of the reasons. Like my wife was asking me uh, about the Rams. Like, how can they get all these guys? You know, they got Sue and. Mm-hmm. Keep to leave, and I said, "Well, they're not paying the quarterback yet." Yep. You know, once once that once that quarterback gets through with that rookie contract, now things change for the rest of your team. Seattle was that way for a while with Russell Wilson. Abs- oh yeah, yeah. Now all their guys have disappeared. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's an allocation league, and that's the thing. If you don't have that much invested at the quarterback position, then you can do some of those things, but um, that's not the case. And you know, so I mean, I I don't I certainly don't see that happening, and. But uh, it is interesting. They're rumored to be a good fit. As far as, uh, you know, we were talking about this, too, a little bit on um, the Insiders that I do on 620 WDAE, which aired on Sundays from uh, 9 to 10 a.m., shameless plug here. But Trevor Sigma had, had mentioned, you know, we were talking about the Steelers, and his whole take was sort of, you know, well, why is – I keep hearing about the Steelers. You know, it's such a great organization. Or you, you know, oh, the Steelers this and the Steelers that. And he says, you know, it's not like – the steel curtains walking in here on Monday night and all that is true. Uh, you know, it's not, they're not, but you know, who is, is a hall of fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. And Oh, by the way, they went 13 and three last year and went in the AFC championship game, I believe or close to it 
almost went to the AFC Championship game. It was Pittsburgh. Yeah, they lost in the divisional a, game to it was Jacksonville. Jacksonville in, mm-hmm. in uh, yeah in New England, but they were one one game away from playing for the championship. And you know the the other thing is, even though you know they haven't played great, they do have a good offense as we mentioned earlier. But the other thing is, Mike Tomlin. I mean, you know there is a there is an expectation every year these guys are going to play for a Super Bowl. And that's sort of their standard. They make the playoffs year after year after year. I mean, you were in Cincinnati for years. Was it uncommon for Pittsburgh to win the division? No, no, no absolutely so. not. Well, look, I'm looking at his coaching record. So his first year was 2007 with Pittsburgh. Right. So he's coached 11 seasons, not counting this year. Mm-hmm. Right. Never had a losing season. Never had a losing season in 11 years. Two eight and eight seasons. One nine. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In seven season, in the other eight seasons, they made the playoffs. I mean that's that's pretty solid. And they won one Super Bowl and went to mm-hmm. two. Yes. Under yeah, Tom. they they, so. they won in 08, they lost in 10 in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. But yeah, they've made it to the playoffs 8 out of the last 11 seasons. Never had a losing season in that time. Yeah. And quite frankly, you know who that sounds like? Tony Dungy. You know, Tony Dungy averaged 10 and a half wins a year for for like 12 12 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, Mike Tomlin is sort of on that trajectory. Look, Mike's going to have them ready to play. They're going to be desperate. I mean, sometimes just the most desperate team wins. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, you can't predict the NFL anyway. Okay, if you could, some of the games today. Yeah, crazy stuff. Would you have Buffalo go into Minnesota and just do them like it was nobody's business? Buffalo is the first seventeen-point underdog to win in the NFL in twenty-three seasons. And I mean, they got on them fast and hard and never let up. They were up by, what was it, 27 nothing at halftime, I think? 27 to nothing. Josh Allen, the rookie quarterback, was, was, you know, rushed for a couple touchdowns. I think he was stepping on everybody's neck. I mean, that's a good defense. That's, that's an elite. If I, mm-hmm. if I were going to list the defenses in the NFL, they're in the top three. Yeah. You know, they're elite. And, and they that gave was at home. 27 to Buffalo? At, at home. home. I mean, that's, I don't know that they've lost in that building yet. That might have been one of their first losses there. Yeah, it wasn't you know? like they went to Buffalo in December in the snow and right got beat. No, I mean this is this is U.S. Bank building. I mean this is a, this is a heck a tough place to play. So, yeah, I mean you just kind of look at that. But they're going to come in here. They're going to be ready to play. And and like I said, Mike Tomlin's a good coach. And and you know, like Ben Roethlisberger is a quarterback now. You don't need Terry Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've got a guy that's going going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So. Um, you know, expect them to come out and be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if they don't play well, okay, it'll mean the Bucks are doing something really great. But I didn't expect the Bucks to be sitting here at two and zero playing the Steelers. I thought that, you know, on a Monday night with some of the excitement, regardless, maybe that would be the game that they would get. Um, so we'll see. But I also didn't think you know the Steelers would be you know would be up up against the wall like they are right now. So. Uh, you know, Cincinnati lost on Sunday. That that certainly will uh, put a little pep in the Steelers' step, so they're not falling too far behind in this thing. And there's there's a ton of football left to play. But, but if they lose, yeah. that means they're still behind the Cleveland Browns. So 
That's that's right. It's exactly right. The Browns the Browns got their win, so you know you've got that. But um, we can look around the NFL since we're on the NFL right now. Other games, uh, you know, exciting game in Atlanta, overtime game. New Orleans wins that one, which would help the Bucks, right? Because the Bucks have a win at New Orleans on the road. Now New Orleans goes into Atlanta, beats the Falcons mm-hmm. in overtime. Drew Brees, just the way you draw it up. Ends up running it in with a spin move. <laughs> I mean, there's some crazy stuff happened on Sunday, man. Absolutely. Uh, well, there, boy, was, there were seven undefeated teams going into the week. That's right. There's only four left. Yeah. And one of those are the Bucks who have not played in week three yet. That's right. But the everyone had the Dolphins undefeated at 3-0, and correct? Mm-hmm. No, no one did. No uh, one did. The Chiefs at 3-0 and with Patrick Mahomes. And everyone Probably did. Not. Maybe everyone had the Rams undefeated at this point. Yeah, I think but. the Rams are. I think people generally accept the Rams as the best team in the, the NFC. The Rams may run away with that NFC West now that Garoppolo is maybe out for the season. Oh yeah, devastating injury to him. It looks like, as we're doing this podcast, that uh, he's torn his ACL. I even heard a report that possibly his ACL and uh, and another ligament as well. If he's got two torn ligaments, that sounds that sounds pretty daunting, right? But. Um, that franchise, I mean, when you bank so much on him, you know, the bad thing, Tony Dungy said this on the Sunday night uh, telecast, is that, you know, for Garoppolo, he just hasn't played any football, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't play for New England his last year there, right? Uh, he got, you know, he got hurt, I think, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit when Brady was out those those four games and whatnot. Um, and so he didn't play a lot of football. And then, you know, when he got traded to San Francisco – they didn't play him right away. He wound up, I think, starting the last six or seven games. And I don't think he lost. But, you know, then then you get hurt here, you know, in week three. And a whole year is going to go by. And it'll be tough for him to get back by next season, depending on how severe that injury well, is. Well, and the shame is he could have just stepped out of bounds. I know. He was fighting for some he, more yardage. And instead, yeah. he should have he stepped out of bounds. And even the, the defensive players were saying, you know, you know he should have stepped out. He's, you know, what's he fighting for? A couple inches? You got to think. Yeah. You got to think longer term in there. Quarterbacks you know. need to do that. They need to realize that they're that that them being available every Sunday is is worth more than just a yard or two. And it was weird too because it wasn't like he got contact on the leg, but him trying to cut back up mm-hmm. inside and stay right. in bounds kind of kind of twerked it badly, and you could just see it his left knee kind of go out, and they carted him off. So that was a, a bad injury. Um, your boy John Gruden zero and three for those Bucks fans that. Got on my timeline, and they really, really wanted John. <laughs> it's not going so well. And they're three fact, games there was back a, in the division. Yeah, already. And there, there was a report in uh, Ian Rappaport did this on uh, for NFL.com, NFL uh, Network that there's some infighting in Oakland. Go no. figure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like John, you know, him and Reggie McKenzie may not see eye to eye, and what? some of the guys in the personnel department. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, and and he and they said that it's even down to where he has his own draft board during the draft. Like, I've never heard of that. So there's <laughs> there's the organizational draft board. I'll tell you what, man. I got the draft board right here, okay? Which which draft board do you want to go on, mine or yours? I make $100 million, man. What do you make, uh, Reggie? You know? So Hey, basically, basically Gruden can say, hey, look, I'm going to be with this team when we're in Vegas. Are you? <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, he may or may not be. I don't know. He's, I know he's going to draw a paycheck for a long time, so I'm hoping that – I'm thinking it was going to be in Vegas. Oh, I, I mean, I think – Johnny I think, Vegas, uh, man. I think they hired him specifically to be the coach when they moved to Oh, Vegas. I do too. I mean, oh, I do too. Yeah, you can see the billboards now, can yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. Sell out that stadium with Johnny Vegas. 
So lots of interesting games. And, of course, tonight it's the Bucks and the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night. Football. Who you got? What's your and, prediction? All right. I picked the Bucks to win this game. That's going to upset a lot of people because the first two weeks I had them losing. Now, there you go. Won. You're the reason. You're the reason. So I'm oppo, man. And if I'm picking them to win and, and, and they do lose, then, of course, I you know what that means. I can never pick them to win again. But then people get mad that you didn't pick them. And they go, how could you not pick the Bucks? And it's like, what? What did I miss? Well, we know you're rooting you know? for them, so. Well, clearly I am. I hate, you know, for years, <laughs> for years I refused to pick games mm-hmm. simply because I, you can't win, right? Like, first of all, I'm, I'm not good at it, okay? I Like, the NFL, if I pick just winners, I would maybe hit about 60%, maybe. But winners is not how you bet in the league. You bet, you know, you got to bet the spread. Mm-hmm. And I'm just terrible at that. Uh, and then secondly, it's like if you pick some team that you cover – to win the game, then you're a homer. And if you pick them to lose the game, then you just hate on them. You know, you just don't like the Bucks. You can't do the Chris so, Street on uh, ESPN. You say, I'm covering this game. I can't pick this game. I tried that, but it didn't work <laughs> with my editor. My, I have an editor who came in a couple of years ago and just insists that we all pick games. Everybody's got to do it. Nope. Well, where's your picks? Where's your picks? Got every picks. And I feel bad because I don't, I hope people aren't really taking what I say as like anything, like it means anything because it doesn't. At least not to me. I mean, I try, you know, but I'm not very good. I'm not the worst picker on our staff, but um, just not something I enjoy doing because it's it's hard, man. If it was easy to pick in the NFL, you know, shoot, you wouldn't, you know. Well, these suicide pools these... wouldn't be so popular if, if, every, if everyone yeah. could pick a winner every week. Right. It's just, I mean, Las Vegas, they build, they keep building these gorgeous buildings because they're winning, you know. They're, they, the the sports, sports books are, are doing well, so. Yeah, I, I don't do very good at that. But I did pick them to win, and because of that, I'll say, you know, I think it'll be sort of a high-scoring game, but I, I don't know, not, not overly high. Like, I, I'm like 28-24 or something like that. I don't know, somewhere in that neighborhood. But, uh, yeah, if they score close to 30 points, again, that would be uh, that'd be pretty good. Okay, so other news that we got to discuss before we wrap up this podcast. Your boy, Blake Snell, Woo. does it. He does it. Sets the race record. Can you stop me and tell me who saw this coming even? I mean, as good as Blake has been in, you know, in, in the, the upside that he had, but he goes out, puts up his 21st victory, 21-5 and five now, gives up no runs this time. His, his ERA is dropped below 2 to 1.90. Folks, this is the American League that he pitches American in. League and not only East. that, it's the American League East. Thank you. With two of the best teams in baseball, the best hitting team in baseball by far, the Boston Red Sox. The Yankees aren't too shabby in that lineup either. And to to mow through the AL East with 21 wins and only five losses, and he's on some kind of ridiculous streak right now. Nine straight wins, nine straight decisions. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he just goes out there and gives you six, seven innings of no-run baseball. Every, and he struck out 10 or 11, I think. Um, so, you know, unfortunately that the Oakland A's did lose, fortunately, I guess, but unfortunately because of the Rays getting beat up a little bit by Toronto – their magic number is just one, isn't it? That's correct. So here's what happens. If the Rays go 7-0 and this week and the A's <laughs> okay. go 0-6. Oh, yeah, okay. There'll be, a yeah, game one, there'll be a game 163 at the Trop to decide who oh, makes baby. the second wild card. Oh, baby. And and there are, they've already given out the Dan Johnson bobbleheads, right? Or that's coming? Um, I believe right. that's coming this Saturday. Yeah, so they should have the They Dan should resign Johnson him for this weekend. The, absolutely, Dan Johnson has to make an appearance for them to make the playoffs. I know that. 
at least if they make it to a game 163. But yeah, the, the Rays elimination number is one. So one win by Oakland or one loss by the Rays, and it's over. Yeah, but but what a year by Blake Snell. I mean, and he should look. I I don't know at this point because he's been so dominant, especially the second half of the season. He had one game he always threw a damn no hitter. Um, and and the Rays are a good team. I mean, they they're going to establish themselves as that. They've already had a winning season. They, they win they, three they out of seven this week. They're ninety win team. Yeah, ninety wins. I mean, I mean, ninety wins is so hard to do. And in most years, it will win a division for you. Certainly make the playoffs. So if you got twenty one and a chance to make twenty two wins on a team that wins 90 in the American League East, folks, let me tell you, you are the Cy Young Award winner. Had Chris Sale not got hurt and kept up a similar pace to what he was doing, I think he probably wins because his team is the best team in baseball. Sure, sure. With Chris Sale Sale being hurt and not having enough innings right now to even qualify for the URA title, I mean, you can look at Corey Kluber. You can look at Justin Verlander. um, uh, They're having great seasons, but not nearly as good as Blake Snell's. And you've got both the wins, which some people don't, you know, put much credence to with with pitchers. But I mean, twenty one of them, and then mm-hmm. then, but the ERA at one nine zero. I mean, to be below two, there ain't many. There's uh, not with, many pitchers in the last forty years that have won twenty games and have an ERA below two. It's terrific. Did you read the story? I think Mark Tompkin wrote this in the Tampa Bay Times that after he won his twentieth game, like he he just doesn't want to talk about it because he knew he had more starts, you know, mm-hmm. to go, and he you know the record was you know still in front of him. And it got so bad, like his mom started sending him clips about him winning 20, and he, he took her off his phone. <laughs> <laughs> he, literally, he literally would not let his mom text him. But you know what? <laughs> I mean, he's the, focused. It's hilarious to me. You know, and that, he's focused. And, and you know, he's, look, he, he, he's talked a little bit about last year and, and the struggles he had, and he was sent down twice last year. You know, he, yeah. was, he started the team at the big leagues, got sent down. And he had some yeah. relationship issues and, and, and maybe playing too many video games late at night and not, you know, not focused enough. And he came into this season. Fortnite gets and, them and, all. And, yeah. And, yeah, and he, really, you know, he really started turning around at the end of last season. And it, to be honest, you know, it's not like he's never had the stuff. For years, we've heard Blake Snell was going to be the next pitcher for the Rays. I mean, this has been known for years in the organization that he has all the stuff to be the next Shields, Price, Archer, et cetera. Yep. But mentally this year, he finally put it together. And he, you know, oh, yeah. Kyle Snyder says, "Look, he met with them in the off season, and and Blake said, mm-hmm. I want to be the best pitcher in baseball, not yeah. on the Rays in baseball.' And he's worked his yeah. tail off towards it. And yeah. this is the results it's been, and it's phenomenal, and it's fun to watch. And he's, you know, he's got four pitches, and when one's not working, he can use the other three. Yeah, and he's a complete and pitcher." I'm- I'm going to meet with Kyle Snyder and tell him I want to be the richest man in Tampa Bay and see how that goes. There you go. Um, well, stop playing Fortnite I mean, all night long. <laughs> right, well, or or maybe, maybe just stop doing a podcast all night long. <laughs> yeah, that might work. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's when you can call your shot like that, it's pretty remarkable. You do have to be very, very talented, clearly, which, which he's mm-hmm. uber talented. But, uh, you know, to be as locked in as he been, I mean, that's the thing. You, it's not easy. It's just not easy, folks. I mean, what he has done is is beyond stupid. I mean, really. I mean, to go out there and be as consistent, he's got every pitch in the world, but he's throwing them not just for strikes, but, you know, he can pitch backwards if he wants to. If you think you're sitting on his fastball, he's throwing breaking balls and sliders. Everything is working. He goes out there every night, and no one – he doesn't – here's the thing. He's not giving up a run. I mean, it's one thing to win games, you know, you're the you're the pitcher of record when your team scores, you know, four in the fifth or whatever. 
this is not how it's gone. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, they get a run and they're winning with Blake Snow. A run, you know, because he's given up nada. So I I can't be more impressed with the guy or more impressed with the Rays. I'm honest. I, I It's a shame that, you know, they had sort of a slow start and, and that the Oakland A's will not lose. And they've won this past week in dramatic fashion. A walk-off home run. A mm-hmm. wild pitch, I think. Uh, they won a game. I mean, you know, they they just find ways, and it's going to be exciting to see you know to see them play. And I'm sure the fans, the A's fans, are going to be excited to see them play. Uh, you know, in in the uh, postseason, but um, just a great year, great year for all the all the Rays. And the Rays bounce back. You know, and they they lose a game, and they usually come back and win win the next day. So I've been impressed with them. But so yeah, congratulations, Blake Snell. You deserve the Cy Young Award. Okay, and finally, we'll wrap it up on this. Speaking of a guy locked so, in. Yeah, right. I mean, I asked the question, what were you doing 1,876 days ago? Uh, and that was 2013. So I think I was doing a morning radio show now that I mentioned it. Uh, uh, 2013, you would have been, yes. Yes, you would have. Yeah, I would have been. And a lot of things have happened since then. Well, there's one of them. Um, you know, I was, I was doing morning radio, but that was the last time Tiger Woods won a PGA tournament and folks, he did it Sunday. He did it. He won the tour championship and he did it just to spite me because I'm the guy who said, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to win another tournament. And then in Valspar, he almost won. And I said, well, he's definitely not going to win another major. And then he was, you know, leading a couple of majors in the final round. And then I said, well, Maybe he won't. He'll win a tournament, but not a. Ma- I, I'm all over the board with this, but now we can all say that yes, Tiger Woods will win another tournament because he just won his 80th tournament of his career. He's two behind Sam Snead now, and you know, and and this was a you, we mentioned this before the podcast, Steve. Had Justin Rose in this tournament not birdied number 18, what would Tiger Woods have accomplished? He'd have won the FedEx Cup. He'd have won the FedEx Cup, folks. He finished second as it was. He'd have won $10 million, and it would have been like his, I don't know, third or fourth. Third, FedEx I believe. Cup or something. Third, yep. I mean, that's incredible. The man spent three months in bed. 18, start, 18 starts this vertebrae. year. Yeah, 18 starts this year, seven top 10 finishes. That's for a 40, that's, 42 year old golfer who's had how many back surgeries? Oh, uh, four or five, I think. You know, I mean, he's had he's had vertebrae fused together. I, mean, I can remember saying like he, you know, this journey that he's been on, he, he could not do anything but use a putter on a green. You know, hitting, playing golf again, he said after this tournament was going to be the biggest question. Can I play golf? Can I play with my kids? Can I kick a soccer ball? You know what I mean? Can I, can I do anything? Can I get out of bed? You know, and the the stuff he has been through. Um, is just remarkable. I mean, the guy, I mean, we saw him at Valspar, kind of started there, and he's had he's had good looks at tournaments. Now, for the first time this year, he went into Sunday with a lead. He had a three-stroke lead, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of fell apart. It was tough conditions, and no one, no one really played very well around him. Um, and for a while, he got as close as two shots. You know, his lead was down to two shots with about, with two to play, I think. Yeah, he, bogey, he bogeyed 16 to make it within two. Yeah. Just to let you know what has happened since Tiger won before, since the last time Tiger has won, till today, until Sunday, LeBron returned to Cleveland and then left again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. KD said his mom was the real MVP. 
This is all courtesy of somebody on Twitter. I have to yeah. figure out who gave this to me. Um, let's see. Uh, like Leicester City won the Premier League. The Cubs won the World Series. That seems a little while ago. The Seahawks didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line. <laughs> that, that'll never get old. Since the last time. And a 37-year-old triple crown drought, drought had, uh, had ended. So just a few things have happened, you know, since the last time he won. Did you see the look of relief on his face when, oh. he, when he, he, you know, tapped in his putt on 18 to, oh, to finish Just raised his hands up in the air, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – he got a little emotional, when, you know, when he was mm-hmm. talking you know, after, the, after the tournament. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, for him to win – you know, I'm sure that there came times because, you know, like I said, he had the lead on some majors on Sunday mm-hmm. late, you know, and he wasn't able to close the deal. There has to be, I mean, for a guy that won as much as he did, there had to be something in the back of his mind that said, you know what, I got to get over the hump, mm-hmm. you know. I, I got to feel what it feels like to win because he felt his game coming back. I mean, his game, he still, like he said, he goes, I still can't swing the club the way I want to, you know. I mean, I just can't, but – you know, his game is plenty good, you know, to be not only on the tour but competitive and then, you know, almost winning the FedEx Cup. But he, there has to be a psychological thing, and I know, you know, it's the last PGA event. Um, he'll go into the Ryder Cup and whatnot. But there has to be something that says, you know what, I, I know how to do this. I remember how to do this, you know. Well, he's I remember the, uh, how to do it. He is the odds-on favorite to win the Masters now. I believe I saw 12-1 <laughs> to 1 odds. I'm sure. I mean – the next step is I'm going to win a major, you know, like, I mean, you know, he was there last year, but now that he's won again, you know, any tournament and it's a major PGA event, the, you know, the tour championship now that he's won and, you know, we'll, you know, there's a little ways before he has to play again next season, but I think that's going to matter. I think it's going to matter to him and, and what a, what a great memory, you know, to take, to take in, um, you know, on, on the last, you know, PGA event of the year. So look, I, I'm so impressed with it. He's good for golf. You saw the guys, you know, that play with him every week uh, coming up to him and, and congratulating him. And I think they realize, you know, some of these guys were 25 years old. They never got to play with Tiger when Tiger was good, you know, or play with him at all. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them are inspired, and that's why they're playing golf in the first place. And to see these guys afterwards come up to him and congratulate him was really cool. Oh, it's very cool. And Jack Nicholas was tweeting – um, you know, how special this tournament was and how, you know, he might be, you know, playing some of his best golf ever. That's yeah. kind of what Jack Nicholas tweeted on. And that number, eight, you know, that number 80, Tiger even said, you know, I was sitting on 79 for five years. Winning 80 yeah. tournaments is special. And as you yeah, said, two big. away from the career leader, Sneed. Yeah. He could take, you know, he's got a few years to play, he said, and he could take down Sam Sneed, which is, you know, just incredible. So, Pretty cool stuff, man. I was happy. You know, the thing about Tiger is that, um, and everybody says this, you know, I, we, we've had Bob Herrig before, I think, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And he was at Valspar. And Bob's a good friend of mine. We sat together at the Times for, you know, like 20 years. And and Bob covers golf for ESPN. He does a terrific job, does a great job. In fact, you can go on ESPN.com and read his story about Tiger's victory. And, and he knows Tiger very, very well. And they're, they're actually, you know, have a good relationship, um, you know, but – I mean, you know, Bob will tell you that Tiger's different this time around in that, you know, he enjoys being out there. He enjoys the fan. Like, he, he, you know, I mean, he's still very locked in at times, and, you know, he'll walk by guys or whatever. There's so many people that today was ridiculous. It was like 
there was going to be a riot breakout on 18. I mean, they couldn't even hold those people back. Um, so he had to fight his way through there a little bit. Um, but for the most part, you know, he, he just has a different mindset because, you know, he thought he wasn't going to play again. And then he thought he was never going to be competitive again. And, and now he, you know, has done all those things. And I think knowing that it could be, you know, taken away at any second with the injuries he's had, he really has an appreciation for the game, for his game, for being around the other players. For being I was going to say, that's the, that's the part that to me, you know, he's always had a reputation as being very chilly with the other golfers for the most part. Yes. There was one or two yes. maybe he was friends with, but really right. never really that friendly with the other golfers. And you, you see no. a lot of the other golfers are, you know, good friends and they, they'll hang out and talk and that. But this time around, yeah. you see him enjoying the other golfers around him. The too. dudes. Yeah. yeah, he's a dude. Mm-hmm. He's a dude for the first time. He's just a dude, mm-hmm. you know? And it's and fun in fact, to watch. He said, yeah, he said after, he said, well, we, you know, they go, well, he goes, I, I think we're not going to get a lot of sleep tonight. I've got a bunch of my golfer buddies. We're going to go out and, you know, and uh, have a little fun. Is he going um, to Denny's? Hope, ho- <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> hopefully with Uber. Uh, hopefully he, is, he isn't pulled over like he was in Jupiter, yeah, Florida too. when he was way too many uh, painkillers. But, um, yeah, I you know, but but that was the thing. Like he he, you're right. He's he he's just a golfing dude now. He's got other other guys um, that feel like they can you know hang out with him because he would go one way and we found out way too much of what he did with his time. But then um, nobody would see him again until you know he's on the driving range the next day. So uh, this is this was cool. I mean, I was I was actually moved a little bit by him winning the final. There's something about him winning. You know, at the end too. Like okay. This is your last shot at it. You're going to do it? And, yeah, he does it. He slams the door and he gets it done. He did it the way he always did. You know, Tiger has always been the guy, if he has the lead on Sunday, it's over. He hasn't come back much on Sundays. He hasn't won a lot of, of tournaments where, you know, he came down from several shots back. He's never but, won a major where he didn't lead in the – That's right. Going into the final round. But, but what he did, he goes, you know, I birdied number one, and I, and I knew with the conditions, he goes, I basically if I play par golf yep. you know, and shoot one under par, I'm going to win. Like he just knew it. And, and that's what he does. He waits for other guys that are chasing him to fall apart. And he just goes out there and, you know, tries to shoot a good score. And, you know, if he has a, a, a three- or four-shot lead, he knows that somebody's going to have to really go low to beat him, and he's not going to beat himself. And so he was, he was one over 71, uh, which got it done. And, uh, you know, so he won the way he always wins on Sunday. He just didn't make enough mistakes and, and let everybody else kind of fall apart. And that's, that's usually what he does. So congratulations to Tiger Woods. You made me look bad. Really bad because you want to turn you want to turn so <laughs> we'll see if he can get a a um, a major and I'm going to say right now that he will never win <laughs> another Grand Slam. How about how until about he's that? got the lead after day one of the Masters? We're recording the podcast. He's going to win this weekend. That's right. Well, you didn't hear me. I'd say he's never going to win a Grand Slam. Like he can't win no. all four of them in the same year. Is what I'm going to predict. You know, not he, I will say he won't you know, even hold all four events at once. He will not have another Tiger Slam. Wow, you're you're, you're really going out on a limb there. Because <laughs> well, I can't trust any predictions with Tiger Woods. I mean, as you said, don't bet against him. That's the lesson here. Well, you did tell not, us, you know, talking about the Bucks, you're a bad picker. So, oh, I am. I am really bad. There's not many things I can pick successfully, but I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, uh, that's a uh, again, you know, exciting day for people in Tampa Bay. A lot of Bucks fans should be up in the bit. Be yeah, careful. Yeah, so I'll be at the Tropicana Field as the Yankees are in town. Oh, you're talking about Monday yeah. Night Football? No, I'm talking about the game, Monday Night Football. The Yankees are in town for a four game set. They are. But uh, yeah, bum 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 bum. Do 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 do. When you hear that music, man, 
Or is it, uh, are you ready for some football? It's one of those. But, uh, yeah, it's Monday Night Football. Booger McFarlane in the Booger McMobile. Uh, you'll see him up and down the sidelines about 10 feet off the ground. And, um, you know, and, of course, you know, the other guys will be there as well. It'll be, it'll be fun. So look forward to it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the 2-0 start. We'll see if the Bucks can make it to 3-0. and I know Bucks fans are excited about that. And see if Fitzmagic can continue in Tampa Bay. And Deshaun Jackson, who is uh, Mr. Monday Night, because he's got like, I don't know, well over 1,100 yards or so playing in the Monday Night games that he's played. And he's a really good receiver on Monday Nights, as he is pretty much his whole career, but averages like 20 yards a catch. So if that continues, the Bucks could be looking at 3-0. Uh, and my thanks, uh, of course, for you guys listening. We're here every Monday through Friday, and you want to make sure that uh, you tune in as well. And make sure you go see our friend Annie at Continental Wholesale Diamonds just for our listeners to this sports podcast, Sports Day Tampa Bay. Uh, if you walk in and uh, see our friend Andy, you can get 20% off on all, all jewelry purchases, and that's a deal just for those who listen to Sports Day Tampa Bay. So make sure you go see him as soon as you can. So Steve uh, and I will be at uh, Raymond James Stadium. We'll have all the reaction and the results, of course, of that game and talk about that on Sports Day Tampa Bay following the game, of course, on Tuesday morning. So for Steve Burst and Gummerick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, have a great Monday, everybody.